Welcome to the Random Redux Review Podcast. Hey, so here we are, episode number 15. How about that? What are we going to do this episode? Well, as you may have noticed the last couple of episodes, I've been thinking a little bit about death. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't be scared. I, I think it's important to be comfortable with death. doesn't mean you necessarily want to die, but I think being comfortable with it is important. doesn't mean it's not hard. Um, I was kind of thinking of sharing just because Eileen Kaminsky, who I talked about two episodes ago, she was really big into poetry. I'm not necessarily a poetry guy, but I like some of it. I know what I like when I hear it. I don't really know much about whether something is technically good or not. But um, anyway, over the course of the last few years, I've, as you may know, I've done a number of videos um, and there have been some poems that I've included in those. And this is sort of a collection of those, or at least what I think are the best ones. And so I wanted to share those with you. Uh, the interesting thing is that they are all poems written by people who have passed away. And all of them, except for one, are actually written by those people. So you are hearing voices from the other side, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the one that is not read by somebody who's passed away, it's actually read by me. I didn't write the poem. It was a guy named Ben North. I think all of these give you a real insight into kind of what it's like to have terminal cancer or any really serious health situation. I think all of these poems are pretty good. Hope you agree. Anyway, enough of me yapping. First up is a poem by my friend Byron King, who passed away almost a year ago last January. Very good friend of mine in many ways. One of the first uh, cancer friends I had lived in Florida. He was an army vet, very talented artist. Was proud to promote him to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Purple Belt, his uh, knowledge was immense of Jiu-Jitsu considering he was dealing with a lot of paralysis issues. Didn't stop him from actually tapping a black belt out at competition. So I felt that was worthy of at least getting promoted to purple belt. So I was happy to do that. For those you don't know, I'm actually a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So that's what we had in common. That's how we met. Thanks to our mutual friend Felicia O, world champion, Abu Dhabi competition veteran. Certainly no slouch. Anyway, here's Byron. And, and this poem hits me pretty pretty hard although I do find it rather motivating too even though it's kind of depressing in tone but it's really uplifting in many ways I think life begins to blur there is no future no plans one cannot make a dream for life one can only have today to many it might seem we have impulse control issues we may but we do not know what might happen from day to day. Many will see that's, say that's life, that we could all get hit by a bus uh, crossing the street. That is true, but our bus is in our head. We have two buses, two ticking time bombs, two obstacles in our mortality. One might tend to start and stop something quickly, fall quickly in love with something then realize that they will never reach the potential of anyone around them, that time is not on their side. 
one might realize that treatment has crippled them both mentally and physically, but others don't see it. One might be ready one day to do everything and the other day just wanting to sleep a day away. Death is our friend. We face it daily. We often play with colorful adjectives embraced by the, the cancer community. Fighter, survivor, warrior, combat, target, battle. Our community is engulfed in war jargon. We don't know why. At times we embrace it. At other times we deny it. We try to be one with, with our tumors one day. We curse them the next. We might talk about legacy more than others, leaving something behind. We might seem full-bodied. We might seem sharp-minded, but we have been poisoned, cut open, irradiated. We get our brains measured so often we have, we have forgotten the count. We have eventually fall asleep in an M MRI machine at some point, we change our minds. It might be pursuing a grad degree. It might be learning to draw again. It might be practicing a martial art or giving back somehow. It might be none of these things. We might never find focus. The fact that we ever found the focus to show up at all is possibly a miracle that you had us in your class for a full hour, held our attention, had held our passion, if miracles happen, that might have been one. Learn from us. We are tiptoeing between the life and death. Minute by minute, we have more in common with the elderly than we do with our own generation. We know broken. We know heartache. We know how hard it is to get up, to brush our teeth, to do the typical errand. We have no life goals. We know that we are all more the same than different. If we survive long enough, we will find wisdom through our cancer. We begin to transform into the old man on the hill. We no longer fear death. We will spout wisdom, but find it incredibly hard to practice. As our memories have been erased, we already forgot what we said. One day you'll remember something we said, but we won't. One day you'll be here, but we won't. Don't pretend with us. We see right through you, so please be frank. Tell us the truth. All right, so up next is the aforementioned Eileen Kaminsky. And interesting thing about Eileen is she actually started writing poetry when she was a small child. So she was at it for quite a while. Uh, she died, I believe she was 54, 55. I actually, shame on me for actually not knowing exactly how old she was, but I know she was just a few years older than, than I am. Uh, so that would put, make her 54, 55, somewhere. There. I want to say 55, but uh, anyway, here is uh, a poem that she wrote that I think is pretty good. I'm willing to stand in the gentle rain at sunset, but not to stand in the storm of sorrow and regret. It was one thing to own all the mornings yet to come before I knew the darkness would yield to the sun. It's another, another thing now. I'm willing to see the sparkle in my love's blue eyes, but not to shield those dark with fear of life's demise. With honest hearts, I will share the depths of my pain, but with doubting minds, I've no time left to explain. It's another thing now. My time is limited and the days run late, 
and I'm too busy finding moments of joy to follow hardened days. There's no time to waste on those who demand plans written in pen. It was one thing when I had a calendar without end. It's another thing now. All right, up next is Ben North, a friend of mine from the UK. This is the one where he's not actually reading it himself. I had asked him to read something uh, for a video I was doing at the time. Unfortunately, he went into hospice right about that time, so he didn't have a chance, but he did give blessing for me to read it. So this is my rendition of one of his poems. I, I actually uh, viewed him very much as sort of the poet laureate of cancer which a dubious title nonetheless but he's and there's a lot going on in his poems when you really get into it. he actually has a book out, out that you can still get on amazon called 33 poems some of which are about death i will include a link in the show notes and all that he was a big blonde man my dad easy to laugh easy to smile He smoked his way to a collection of beautiful soft cigarette packets saved from trips abroad, iconic designs from an age of triumphant inhaling. Later, he moved to the little tins of Café Creme, after-dinner cigarillos, which he drew down like camels. He took a good photograph, painted butterflies and flowers well, loved single malts and quality blends, and my mother very much. Once, frustrated by some teenage twist from me, he banged the breakfast table and briefly raised his voice. He was in tears half a moment later. I had become strange to him, pain in my skin, unhappy in the world. A tumor came for him at 45, not the lungs, but the brain. One night I found him in our armchair, gasping, moaning, jerking, caught up in what was once called a fit. Ten months later, I raised a glass to the sky for him. Early on, from his hospital bed, he lied, told me everything would be alright, but it really wasn't. And now, at last, in this at least, I have become my father's son. And now, uh, here's something from my friend Melissa Blank. I was just really starting to get to know her when she passed away. Anyway, um, yeah, she was an uh, English teacher at a community college, uh, highly intelligent person, very talented person. I am still very much in touch with her hu husband, Steve. He's actually been a great help to me um, with some moral support, kind of helped me understand better what to expect, how to help my wife understand what to expect what's going to eventually happen to me but anyway um i think he's just an all-around sort of stand-up classy guy um and can we just take a moment to give it up for the caregivers out there they don't get enough sort of credit for what they go through because it's hard you know it's uh, and the ones who really stick with it don't get burnt out and, and pushed away by it, which is something that does actually happen quite a bit. Um, I think it says a lot about who those people are. Anyway, here's Melissa. A Sonnet of Fire 
The ideas scattered like ashes in wind, flaming up and burning out without end. My mind is dim candles flickering in sin, praying to old gods to not break but bend. The light shows my scars here, there, and all where. The tough parts fragile, sensitive to touch. Bare skin, missing bone, so much missing hair. Surgery rebuilds me till it's too much. Memories of myself to keep me warm. Burning at the edges of every turn. What's left of my mind is not true to form. A soft shadow exposes the burn. I set myself on fire to be free. What is left of fire is not enough me. And uh, and here's one last poem by uh, my friend Byron King. He wasn't really the most trained poet, but there's still something just sort of very raw about what he writes that really speaks to me. I think this is another poem that may come across as a little dark at first, but I actually find pretty motivating. Hopefully you feel the same. I put a gun to my head each time I write you. I think about if this is the last thing I ever did, what would it be that I could give? What words could help you live? Would it be a confessional to my ancestors to be read at my funeral? be stored in a cedar box found in 100 years, stored with fading photos. The gun always demands fire. You have one more day to get it right, one more day to seek the light. I often wonder if I ever face my maker, what will I say? I tried, I searched, I went in circles seeking patterns. I found beauty in the mystery, I found awe, but I lived mostly in my head. I did little before I was dead. What truths did I live by? Did I find anything new? Did I love more than I inflicted pain? Did I poison my body? Did I give myself cancer? Am I poisoning you? Did I plant seeds of hope? Did I hope you feel the infinite inside my search? Did I dig deeper than the day before? One imaginary bullet to the head is all I have to give, but that is what forced all of this to keep me moving to keep us both hoping, to keep the search alive so that I might one day meet you on the other side. Thanks for listening. New episodes of the R3 podcast most Sundays. See the episode description for notes and where to find more online.